Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. It's something we've talked about on so many occasions here on the show, and that's the cost of going through fertility treatment and IVF in this country. But from today, the state-funded IVF is being introduced for the first time. Um, for eligible couples, will be able to, to receive one publicly funded cycle. And look, there's been a lot of praise of the system. It's good news. It's finally come in. There's been some criticism as well, though, just due to the criteria, effectively, that you know it, it places on, on people. Jennifer is with us today because, Jennifer, you've already gone through um, IVF, but would you qualify now under the new state scheme? having me on um no i wouldn't very simply no i wouldn't which i mean you're right it is a really good step in the right direction and, and very welcome news i know a lot of people have been working and campaigning to try and get funding that has been long promised so yes that is great but the criteria is very restrictive and um you know there's a lot of frustration and disappointment within the ivf community yeah. still remind us of the, the restrictions jennifer uh, so one of the well, the, the main ones would be uh, if you have a living child already, you're not eligible. Um, if you have a BMI of between 18 and 30, you're not eligible, which is that would have been the one that would have excluded me from being eligible to apply for it. Um, our IVF was in 2013, so 10 years ago now. Um, so, you know, thankfully we were very lucky with our treatment, um, but it was all obviously privately funded and uh, places huge, huge strain. So for couples kind of waiting for that news and waiting for that funding to come through uh, to find themselves still um, excluded. And another criteria is if you've, if you've paid for more than one round yourself, mm. you're excluded, even if you meet all of the other criteria. Um, not having children uh, within BMI ranges and all of the other bits. It's age um, as well, isn't it? That's the other angle of the criteria. Age is another one, yeah. You have to be under 40 if you're a woman and I think it's 59 for men. Um, yeah, it's, <clears throat> like, it is great, but it's very frustrating. Um, there's a lot of same-sex couples are excluded and now I know that that's in relation to lack of regulation, lack of laws. So I do believe that that's something that they're working on and when those laws and regulations are in place, they will look at funding. That's what the HSE site says, at least. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of people excluded for it for reasons that don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense as far as like the community is concerned, mm. bearing in mind we have okay. no medical knowledge. But yeah... Um, Harry is with us too, Jennifer, because Harry, I mean, you know, you know, better than nearly anyone that the costs that can be associated with with going through um, IVF. What's your view in the programme today? Uh, hi, Andrea. Um, I think uh, I think it's welcome. Um, I think any sort of uh, stride to having it normalised for couples is is a good thing. Um, you know, there's still a bit of a taboo subject, I think, in this country, really, fertility and, and all that sort of thing. So I think it's, it's in the right direction. I think it's it's positive that we're talking about it and that we're discussing it. And I thank you, News Talk, again, for, for bringing the subject up. Um, we wouldn't have qualified, myself and my wife. Um, she would have been over the age. Um, we would have got in with the health and all that. It's fine, but, but we would have been just too old as, as a couple. Um, it took us, I mean, we're 11 years now, the other side of our IVF um, journey, 11 years. And we've two beautiful children to show for us. Yeah. 
Um, and it cost us 70,000 euros in total and six years of our lives from the first to the very birth of a child. Nice. So, um, you know, we, we took a lot, we, we, you know, we sacrificed a lot. We were, you know, late in our careers, sort of 30, late 30s, early 40s. Um, I live with a disability. I was diagnosed at 20, no fault of my own, congenitally disabled, something that I found out later in life with one of my organs. And because of that, it made life in Ireland very difficult, no mortgages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We just discriminated disability in this country, and that's it, full stop, we do. Um, and this is just, I, I, I would fear that this just tends to go into that territory again, where people who are already suffering with possibly, you know, being on, on the edges of society um, through no fault of their own are now, again, penalized when it comes to potentially having something like a child, which is a fundamental right for every person on this planet. Uh, and, and we wouldn't be here without having children. And our state needs children. They're taxpayers. I have two new little taxpayers. They're going to school, they're wearing <laughs> yeah. their uniform, and they're going to be contributing to this country. You can be sure of that. So I think the states have done nothing for me whatsoever. Okay, we got some taxes back through what we paid, which everything is, is worthwhile coming back to us. Yeah. But really, I think, that, I think the states sort of stepping in and deter, determining who can have what is dangerous territory because there's going to be a catch-22. There is going to be a situation where it's a win, you, you can't win or lose in a situation. And there's people who are going to be stuck in that, like myself, which is a catch twenty-two situation. You're stuck in a, in a way to live, only that way to live. And you're forced down a certain route through no fault of your own mm. by a state, uh, through the way life is. Well, society. I think the plan is, though, Harry. I mean, the plan certainly is, isn't it, in the long term to um, broaden, you know, the, the scheme and, and, and the scope of who can qualify. But, and that's what has to happen. It has to happen. I mean, myself, my wife, she's a healthy, beautiful person. And, you know, she turned to me, she said, listen, you know, I don't want to die by myself. You know what I mean? You know, and, and I need children around me. I want support when I get old. And that's what a lot of people, that's what a lot of couples now today don't really realize. Is that you know, as you get older and older, it, it sort of dawns on you, your mortality. And children are sort of an extension of your, your life in many ways and, and you going forward. So, when, when the state is that are intervening and saying, no, you don't have the right to go forward, that's a big decision. That's a big decision and a weighty mm. decision for the state to have, have over people. I think, it needs to, I think it needs to broaden. I think the age thing needs to stop because I think people are, are, having, are, having mar- are getting married later. Not later, yeah. And, and yeah. having relationships later. And, and no fault of their own either. I mean, it's the way we've evolved. It's societal changes, et cetera, et cetera. But yet there are some countries in Europe who are paying people to come and have children. Come over here to us and have your children, by the way. Okay. And yes, we're a small country of 4 million people and the states aren't doing everything to, po- to populate our country with Irish people. I think they should be. Okay. I think John, they should be. I think they should be doing more. Yeah, John, John is with us too, Harry. Um, John, the, the, the state-funded IVF has is, is been introduced now. Do you think it'll have meaningful impact? A meaningful impact? Well, of course, will um, you know? As, as the, your, your caller there saying, yeah, the state needs children. Children are the future taxpayers. And um, look, if you, you don't have children, the population dies off. But the, you know, I mean, so definitely, it, it, it needs something needs to be done in order to help those who can't have children. Mm. Good move. It's a good move. Look, there are certain criteria. Like um, I, when this came up. A couple of weeks back, um, I was out to take my, my uh, 
sister of mine was her BMI was was fairly high. I'm not sure exactly what it was, and she couldn't have children, and she was going to go down there when she was talking to her doctor, go down down that route to go to, and the doctor told asked her to wait six to eight months of if I think I remember correct, and try to get her weight down, and they were to her seven husband tried for years to have children. Now, this is going back uh, good few years back now at this age. And um, so she, he, he looked after her. He looked after her with diets and stuff like that, and she lost the weight. And I, I can't remember exactly what weight she got down or her BMI, but she did lose a good weight, and she be, she became pregnant. So across, I, I just heard at the time I don't think there was anything on the levels of BMI at the time, but there were, there was, I don't think they had mentioned it. Okay, eighteen is a bit um, a bit low to be saying all oh, this that, and the other, but. Um, but I mean, there are things that you, if you're going to go the BMI route, you know, raise the level of the the, the lower BMI level and, and up, um, you know, make that or whatever else. But not if it's going to be low, like eighteen is okay. It's mm. not. It's not whatever well, it is, but it's not overly. Yeah, that's how Jennifer, you said you wouldn't qualify, isn't it? Be, you know, really because because of the BMI. And frustratingly, the part, a huge contributing factor to my BMI being higher is because I have a condition called PCOS, uh, which is fairly common mm. among women, but yeah. it contributes to uh, higher weight and it being very difficult to lose weight. So when we did our treatment, I had to, uh, like that last gentleman there, I had to, I was told I needed to lose a lot of weight. And the only way I could do that was through unhealthy ways like more or less starving myself so I'd question what you know how healthy was I ultimately but it's mentally as well has a massive impact Um, another point I'd like to raise is is infertility when it comes to the funding and the criteria infertility is a disease and I can't think of any other disease in this country that's funded to help um, where there's such strict criteria and the only logic I can come to is that it's tying the HSE has to tie itself up with private clinics which are private businesses um, and they don't want their statistics affected I'd imagine um, so with higher risk people so people who are might be in their into their mid-40s or higher BMI higher weights would obviously affect their outcomes Do you think that's I think it's, yeah yeah I am right. convinced of it yeah yeah, yeah I wouldn't have well, thought look, that I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor, your, but your thoughts. Yeah. my okay. experience yeah. with clinics is that they're private businesses. And even with the funding that's promised, there's still huge costs around one round of IVF. It's not just the literal round of IVF. Yeah. There is pre-tests and post things that they offer. And I'd like to know, I mean, how that's going to play out will be interesting. I think clinics themselves need further regulation. Okay. Listen, Jennifer, Harry and John, thanks a million for, for getting in touch um, about this today. I, I know there's a lot of people will, will definitely be looking at the scheme and, and how it operates and when they can they can start it. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.